Welcome to the Rooted in Change podcast. Hey everyone, my name is Jan and you're listening to the Rooted in Change podcast. This show features European clean tech champions and their solutions to tackle the climate crisis. Today, I'm talking to Francois, a senior business analyst at Voltaire. Voltaire's mission is to use electricity data to deliver actionable energy insights. That helps users to save energy and improve their comfort at home. We'll dive into the functionalities of the platform in just a second. Welcome, Francois. Hi, everyone. My name is Francois Gruber-Magetto, and I lead on business development at Voltaire, which is a UK-based electricity energy platform that is helping utilities and people to change the way that they interact with their energy use. Well, um, uh, what an intro. Well, very welcome. Let me start with sort of the, the first question that I would also ask all other guests. Because in preparing for today's conversation, I read that I think you lived in four countries and speak all of the languages of the countries that you lived in fluently. So tell me a bit about yourself and how, how did that happen? Yeah, thanks for that. So I had quite an unusual path, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up in Paris, in France. I had the traditional um, middle school, high school uh, education in Paris. And then uh, when I was 16, I decided to go to Germany um, because right. at that time I was doing German as a, as a first language. And mm -hmm. I thought that would be a great opportunity for me to learn about the culture and improve my, my German. So I finished my high school in um, in Germany, next to Kiel, actually, next to Hamburg in the north. Oh, wow. <laughs> so a really, really good experience. I really enjoyed yeah. it. Um, and I was then doing an international baccalaureate, um, which is everything in English with a yep. very global focus, which then made sense for me to go to an English-speaking country. I was looking at Canada, America, um, and UK as well, which was closer to France. And there were many universities at the time that were really mm -hmm. focused on European politics. Right. Um, so I decided to then go to Un University of Kent in Canterbury which was specialized in uh, European politics. And at that time, I was really uh, into that subject and I found it really interesting, um, very global. And the truth was that I also didn't know really well what I was going to do. Um, right. So it was a good subject to, to start. Um, and funnily enough, you know, that university is labeled as the European University uh, in the UK. And that was just before okay, it happened. Um, right. Which made it then more difficult to continue studying European politics right. in, that, in that space. Um, and then I, I did an Erasmus uh, at the time where uh, that was still a lot. <laughs> where that was still possible. <laughs> yeah, in, uh, in Madrid, in Spain, right. to continue politics for one year, which was also great. Um, interesting to see different takes on uh, mm. subjects that are so uh, um, European-focused and take it away with, with different approaches, um, looking at more uh, international countries, not specifically Europe, which was quite refreshing. Um, and then I went back to, to London, did a master in, uh, in culture and politics. And at the end of the master, I realized that um, maybe politics was not so much for me because I, right. I didn't feel that I wanted to do public policies and I didn't have really strong convictions into going to actual politics, politics. So I was looking at different options. Um, I was quite excited by the tech startups in the mm -hmm. energy conversations around the transition to net zero and all those things. So I started applying to many jobs and one day so a recruiter called me and said, hey, do you want to work for Voltaire, which is an energy startup in the UK? And I said, yeah, let's go. And now it's been uh, almost six years. Wow. What a journey. And I mean, quite exciting that you speak uh, more or less all big European languages with French, German, English and Spanish uh, fluently. I mean, that 
that I guess in itself is quite uh, comes quite in quite handy to to get around Europe and yeah, it was a, to just communicate with everyone. Yeah, more it less. was a perfect path to become a European diplomat, but yeah. in the end, it uh, you know it's useful if you go to meet colleagues and you know have a drink after uh, an event. Right. I mean, and that uh, brings us then to to Voltaire also, maybe, because maybe you are uh, a European diplomat, but just you know in a different environment now. So what is it, A, that Voltaire does? Uh, and maybe then you can also explain a bit about your role in particular at the company. Absolutely. So, I mean, Voltaire came with uh, the realization that um, your utility bills are really expensive, um, depending on the country, but also provide you with absolutely no visibility on why they're so expensive and how can you do to reduce them. Energy is something that is affecting literally everyone. So at the end of the month, you will receive your utility bill and you have to pay and get over it as soon as, you, as possible. So it's not something that people actually you know, want to understand or want to, to spend time analyzing. So we took that problem and we said, okay, why don't we actually provide energy insights, which will help people to first get visibility over how they use energy and second, give them actionable insights to actually become more in command of their energy use and reduce their cost. That's how Baltewar started. So we decided to create an electricity sensor, which is installed in the electrical fuse box in the home that is very, really easy to install and will monitor your consumption in real time. And then we've created a platform that is able to automatically assign where your consumption is going in terms of what appliances are consuming what, what is it compared to peers, and how can you optimize. So that specific algorithm right. is then used for different applications. So if you have smart meters, we can provide you with some insight as well. If you have CAD devices in the UK, so a, a dongle that connects to smart meter, we can also work with that. So the platform now has become totally agnostic to the hardware and is being deployed through utilities, through telecoms, through banks, through system integrators who want to help their customers, sometimes their employees as well, to become more energy efficient and to create propositions around that. Um, at Voltaire, my road is really on business development. So that means finding new clients, um, ensuring that the pilots goes well with them, signing the contract, and really being the customer-facing part of the business in terms of events, marketing, and okay. also to um, manage the relationships with the clients. Gotcha. And I mean, given then your, uh, your personal history and your personal role, who are your clients? Because you you know you just said that you help everyone uh, manage the electricity bill better and sort of gain insights on that. So in that sense, you know it's very end consumer facing. But I would assume that's not your place. So it's a, I guess a B two B two C place. Maybe you can elaborate a bit more on that. Yeah, that's precisely what it is. So even so, the technologies and the insights are for people like you and me. So for the final customers. The way that we deploy it is through B2B2C, through energy utilities, through telecoms, through banks, through system integrators who have their own challenges that can be to engage customers more, that can be for a utility to optimize uh, demand response, to be able to, to incentivize customers to use less energy when the, the mm -hmm. tariff is expensive. And that can be also facility management companies who want to reduce um, the energy cost of their different assets. So right. that will be the type of customer that we um, offer Voltaire to, but we always keep the final customer in mind in terms of what insights are actually going to be useful to them without overspamming them with many alerts and recommendations and mm -hmm. really looking at, at the data that we get from the algorithm, um, which is really precise.
And maybe I, I don't know much, how much you can share about the algorithm, but I, I think that's always sort of the the question that pops up in, in these conversations that it, when someone says, you know, we're going to help you lower your, your energy demand. How is it that you're going to do? I understand that it's a piece of software, but maybe you can elaborate a bit more on how that actually works. So the, the core of the of the algorithm is to be able to automatically take the total load of the home, the total consumption, and to assign it every 30 minutes to the appliances in your home. Right. So every 30 minutes, we can tell you whether the EV is being charged, how many times you use the washing machine over the month, mm -hmm. um, what is the consumption of your lighting versus peers. And we really break it down in a way that is easy for the customer to understand, mm -hmm. that is um, giving them an action on how they can then optimize their energy use. And that algorithm breaks down the consumption to the appliance level. That's only the beginning. After that, we are going to compare you with similar homes. We'll compare you on the tariff information, whether you're, you're using appliances during peak time or off-peak times, and um, even the efficiency levels of your appliances. All um, those parameters will give you a next best action insight, uh, which can be translated into an energy efficiency score so that anyone can understand, even someone that is totally... Um, against technology and that's the idea with Voltaware's that everyone to democratize energy literacy um, and then to create alerts notifications in a way that will then be shown to the customer in a way that is really easy to understand right so basically what your tech does is empowering users and you know i said that in main trip but empower uh, all, all end consumers to make smarter choices regarding their their energy consumption so um to give maybe two examples if I always use my washing machine or charge my car uh, when electricity prices are highest because it's in peak times. Um, I guess you would tell me, well, shift your demand to times where prices are, are lower if I have a flexible tariff already. If I don't have a flexible tariff, that might be the first step. And secondly, it might also just be, hey, look, compared to your peers, you're using a lot more energy for for heating or maybe your, your fridge is uh, not as energy efficient. You should look into this. So is that correct? Absolutely. So the power of the algorithm is that it can be adapted in many scenarios. If you are on a dynamic tariffs, like you say, like with the Octopus Agile in the UK, uh, with whom we're actually doing a, a deployment. If you are using the washing machine during peak times, let's say between 5 and 6 p.m., where the tariff is at is the most expensive rate, yep. you will be notified and you can then use the washing machine at a later time to right. save some costs. Another application would be to look at the efficiency level of your fridge. Um, if we can see that the fridge, your fridge has been consuming a lot more than before, historically speaking, and also more than your peers, it might be that your fridge is actually becoming inefficient. Yes. And that's when utilities or smart home companies can tell to the customer, well, we have a much more efficient greener fridge, which will have a clear payback for you in a couple of months. Please, um, you know, consult this, this offer. And I guess this is also where... Um, just looking at your customer base once more, that it's not just a play for traditional utilities selling energy or electricity to end consumers, but for basically anyone using and or providing services that use energy, right? Because you could also argue that, well, for um, a appliances manufacturer, say Bosch or whoever, um, that might be a smart addition to the service offering because they would be incentivized to say, look, now we know how much each appliance consumes. Um, thus, we're able to help you to, to, you know, to reduce your costs and we're able to upsell in terms of 
providing better, better, newer, more sustainable products as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the beauty with Altair is that once you have Altair installed and you get insights about your customers, you understand a lot of their trends. And mm -hmm. that can give you a lot of opportunities to provide them with much more efficient products or to incentivize them to make home upgrades. Um, one example can be that um, you can offer them an EV if you have a specific uh, uh, offer for that. If you can see that the, the consumer is using a lot uh, of appliances um, on the weekends, you can have a more interesting rate a new tariff for that specific time period. Um, you can send, tell them that during that time, the, the carbon intensity is going to be really high. So, you know, please make sure not to use your washing machine and dishwasher because right. we've seen that historically you're using those appliances during that time. And uh, so that will be for demand response, for example. And you can also uh, incentivize them to upgrade to, to solar. Um, and if you bundle it with insurance products, if you have loyalty rewards programs as well, right. to get some benefits on becoming more energy efficient. So there can be many things that utilities and other companies can do. Mm. Usually, they already have something in place in which they can mm -hmm. integrate the Voltero Insights and, and nicely link that to their offering. Or they can create new products like new tariffs um, specifically based on those insights. Gotcha. Uh, oh, yeah, really interesting. Um, I love uh, diving deep into this this sector. Um, when we're taking one step back then, I mean, you already mentioned Octopus. So, and, you know, we, we talked about your personal journey of living in different countries. So how far have you as a company come? In Voltaware, um, for a startup, you know, seven years is a very long time. Um, mm -hmm. When we started, we actually were looking at the, at the sensor itself and we had an algorithm that was providing live derogation results in okay. which we were asking customers to confirm in real time whether data plans was, uh, was correctly identified, which was ambitious, but also proved that um, customers first don't want to be engaged at that level and also um, might give a mistake and, and might actually assign an appliance to uh, an incorrect one. So we actually thought a lot about the customer experience and completely changed the product to give a much more um, better customer experience in terms of having maybe less granularity in terms of desegregation, but much more actionable insights really aimed at savings. So the product itself has evolved a lot. Um, we also made it compatible with smart meter data. Um, initially, it was only working with sensor data. So now mm -hmm. the platform is fully hardware agnostic, which makes right. it scalable and deployable in, in any scenario. We um, grew a company with many leading utilities like um, Octopus Energy, Plenitude, Enel, um, Utilita in the UK. So really utilities that are looking to, to innovate and to differentiate in the market. Plus more and more companies outside of the utility sector like telecoms, like system integrators. Um, so so the, the product and the use cases have expanded a lot. We even created a, an elderly monitoring product, you know, for some specific use cases because the data is so rich that we can actually exploit it in, in many different ways. So it was just a matter of prioritizing which use cases made sense and what companies would be willing to, to deploy it. Then we've also um, raised um, investments uh, a couple of times with some uh, very synergetic partners like uh, British Petroleum in the UK and uh, and other companies. So the company has grown from uh, 20 to, to 45 employees now. And we've expanded in um, in the UK, but also in Spain and in Italy, where we have offices. Gotcha. And how would you say, I mean, looking maybe at the UK, Spain, initially, what are some of the similarities in terms of the markets and what are also some of the key differences that'd be interesting to know? 
Yeah, absolutely. Between the UK and other countries, or? Yeah. Yeah. So I think the UK is a, is a very unique market. Um, first, it's deregulated. So you have a lot of um, competition in the utility space. I would say that it's a market that is very innovative. Um, and that innovation has come uh, from utilities like Octopus Energy, who have really uh, disrupted the market. Um, in five years, they, they've grown from 20K to um, 5 million customers, precisely because they had innovative products that were at the at, at the core of the customer's problems, um, like you know being transparent, um, helping them to be more energy efficient. So the market has adapted to that. Um, utilities now are more and more looking to deploy insights uh, for their customers. Even so, um, the crisis with the energy prices two years ago has slowed down some of the innovation that started initially um, because the, the focus of the utilities has then changed to how can we cut the losses? How can we make sure the business is running? More than 30 suppliers have um, ceased trading uh, during yeah. that time. So that yeah. really affected the market. But now more and more utilities are coming back and are looking to innovate and, and they understand that innovation is key. So I would say even so the innovation has been slow, it's still much more um, rapid than in other markets. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting point also that you bring up there. In 2020 and 2021, I think we saw a real demand and uh, market acceptance for sustainable tech and sort of real sustainable solutions for the energy market. And then your what you just described in terms of the energy price crisis hitting the market, that really changed the picture in terms of slowing down innovation and, uh, well, for, for some uh, utilities, meaning even bankruptcy. So that's... Yeah. Yeah, that that's interesting. And would you say that 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 part has been overcome? So the sort of those this valley has been um, has been passed, and now we're looking at bringing this innovation about again. Or are they still quite quite careful uh, when it comes to adapting uh, innovation? Yeah, I, I think the market has consolidated itself um, because that mm. also has led to um, uh, big suppliers acquiring a lot of customers, um, which you know took them a lot of time to to actually manage it efficiently. Yeah. I think we're at the end of that now. Um, they're still, historically speaking, always going to be um, slow in innovating. Um, you know, there are some corner cases, but in general, they will take some time and they need to see market traction as well. So if someone is going to do that, then the utilities will follow as well. Um, but it's a um, much more, let's say, mature market, I think, than, than France or Italy, mm. where in, in those cases, we're only at the beginning of, of innovation and, and customer-focused insights. Right. And uh, what, what's your view on Spain? Because obviously you mentioned that um, you're also in Spain. Because for some reason, Spain pop, keeps popping up as the one of the poster childs of uh, the energy transition and really uh, bringing about digital innovation, creating incentives for uh, community energy schemes and so on. So what's your view on Spain? I think the Spanish ecosystem in terms of innovation is very active. Um, they have a lot of companies um, that are active in both the, the production, like capital energy, uh, but also in terms of, of supplying electricity that are quite advanced, like Iberdrola, who are already providing some insights. So I would say that on, on the bigger picture, they're definitely active. Um, the scale is not the same as in the UK, but in terms of concentrated innovation, it's definitely really active and quite impressive to see the, some of the results there. So uh, I wonder how the market will react to this, but uh, it seems like in general, there's a much more progressive um, approach towards innovation. Um, and 
in general, people are, are much more keen to see the results in their homes. And I think that that could be um, a nice combination. Nice. I mean, uh, thank you so much for sharing all the insights. I find that super, um, super helpful to understand the markets and um, just see what's also changing uh, over time. What's your vision then for Walter Bear? I mean, you mentioned that, you know, started in the UK, um, focused on, on sensor data first, now moving over to smart meter data, data therefore making a hardware agnostic. What's, your, what's the long-term vision? Where do you want to go with the company? So I, th I think the mission of the company is going to be the same in terms of where we want to be, um, just at a bigger scale. So we want to democratize energy literacy. Um, so at the moment, it's really about scaling the product. It's really about providing energy insights to millions and millions of customers in, in, in the UK, but globally. Um, our focus has been traditionally in uh, Western Europe. So we are going to consolidate and to scale in 10, 12 selected countries, mm. really to reach um, a good market penetration. And after that, look into expanding into America, Asia, and Africa as well. So yeah. it's really about scaling. The product is already mature. So it's just a matter of adjusting it in some specific cases. You can mm -hmm. always improve it anyway. Uh, the algorithm is always being refined, but yeah. adding more and more insights to engage customers, creating more offers that are linked nicely to the utilities, to our other partners, and um, and really grow the tech and, and prove that this is going to be something that everyone will need in the future. Um, we want those insights, and it's not to be Voltaire, of course, but having visibility on your energy use is going to be um, mandatory in the next couple of years. I think no one is going to sell them for utility if they don't de facto provide those insights to them. So the, I think the key thing is that, and that's also where Voltaire aligns, is that price is not a differentiator factor anymore. People are happy to pay a little bit more if they can get value from their provider, whether it's utility, broadband, you know, water. So that is going to be a core component um, offered to the customers. And I think that's where the market is going. Yeah. So to paraphrase that, what you're saying is basically the, the tech is mature and in place. It's just a matter of adjusting it to local market requirements. And now it's really about rolling it out to different geographies and really scale uh, in terms of customer demand and projects. Exactly. I mean, three, four years ago, um, the term energy desegregation or NILM um, mm. was something that no one knew about. You had to explain the concept to utilities. Right. Uh, now people are actively asking us on our request demo page, you're a NILM provider, you know, what can you do? So the concept is known. People know they've tried it before. They want to find the provider that, that will fit with uh, their products and their customer. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. I think um, going back also to previous podcast episodes, I think there we discussed sort of how energy consumption and energy in general has become a you know a conversational topic, uh, whereas it wasn't on people's front or people's attention at all before. So in terms of you know when you went to a dinner party, um, especially sort of during the energy price crisis. You would discuss, oh, you know, energy prices are so high at the moment. What are you going to do about it? What are your ways to reduce consumption? Are you, are you shifting consumption? Are you shifting providers or switching providers? Sort of what are your measures to to cope with that? And I think it's interesting how that relationship has changed for end consumers with the energy that they consume and how data can play a crucial role in, well, ultimately informing smarter choices, whether it's shifting behavior investing in new appliances um, 
you know, looking at alternatives and that visibility just wasn't there before. And I think if you want to look at it that way, that's sort of the, the positive effect the energy price prices really had, that people are much more aware of the cost of energy and then sort of the, the cost of using too much energy or using energy at the wrong time. No, absolutely. I think, I think the puzzle of the transition to energy is coming to place. Energy efficiency on the household level is just one part of that, right. but everything else that is being pushed by utilities or anyone at the moment is heat pumps, EVs, um, having more infrastructure, um, all of those pieces will come together and, and the, the actual transition is going to be successful once all of these are interlinked and, and deployed at scale. Yeah. I want to go back to something that you mentioned earlier, which was, you said that you've been with Voltaware now for, for six years, uh, which is, you know, in startup terms, quite some time. Um, so I would assume that you that you've seen also a bit of the challenging years and and sort of um, things that didn't go your way immediately. So maybe you can shine a bit of light of on the challenges that you had to overcome. One I would assume is the the very different regulatory environment in all different countries in Europe that makes it harder for any energy company uh, to to roll out and scale easily. But maybe you can explain that yourself. No, absolutely. I think um, there's two types of challenges. The one that are uh, inherent to being a startup, um, you know, that can be operationally having not maybe the, the financial stability that large corporates have, um, having to be very strategic in terms of product prioritization, in terms of team efforts, and and really be focused all the time. I think that that can apply to any startup. In in the energy sector, I would say that. What we found the most challenging was that um, the sales cycles were so long. So you can right. have, let's say you speak to a very big utility. Uh, from the moment that you speak to a utility and get them interested in the products, to actually securing a puck, to running the puck, to discussing the commercial contract, to actually deploying the tech, can be between six to two years. So it can be a very, very long time. Um, I don't think we've signed any contract before six months for utility. Right. So, and the maximum can be three and a half years. So yep. you have to be resilient. You have to always focus on them while looking at other opportunities, mm. uh, which can be also demotivating because if you're working with a company for two years and you are on the verge of selling something, but you're not sure, not having that that security can make it challenging. Um, but I think that's you know proper to the to the utility sector. I think one of the challenges as well was that. Um, most of the companies have clear specific use cases that most of the time require some product adjustments, but only specific to them. So if they right. have let's say, a very specific tariff um, that they want to implement, only them will have that tariff, only them will ask for it, but that is a key requirement for selling that contract. So it's also a question of, okay, how much are we going to prioritize the product development for that specific case, which might lead to a contract or not? Um, versus having general, um, more beneficial improvements for everyone. So that's also quite challenging in terms of, of prioritization in, in the company. But now mm -hmm. I think we've got a, a good balance of that. So um, we, we've been really uh, able to identify straight away, you know, where to dedicate the efforts. Um, mm -hmm. And then I think the, the last part would be about um, strategic partners and and how can we benefit from working with a company or having synergetic investors to actually leverage um, commercial traction, which in the case of our investors, because it's such a big uh, organization, can take a lot of time. 
and um, might not be as easy to find, you know, the right person right away to speak with than if it was, let's say, a, a smaller, more focused company. In the end, it, it works really well, but that that could have been a challenge as well, yes. Yeah, I think what you mentioned is really interesting in the sense that utilities are relatively slow to to react um and especially when you're in a startup right you mentioned this before sort of seven years in a startup is probably seven decades for a utility just in terms of how much happens how much development you go through how much you change your your products or sort of deliver the product to the market ways for utility it's very stable right it's very much same business uh, every year i mean they would see it differently but from an outside perspective i think it's it's fair to say and just bringing those two worlds together they don't always really align because you're so fast you want to push for that uh, proof of concept you want to push for that commercial contract whereas for them it's you know doesn't matter if it's this year or next year it will come at one point but it, it's just different time scales and um, so i think that's that's really interesting and i also really like what you said about well how much do we have to to invest into product development which will only be for this one specific company where we're not even sure that we're going to win the contract ultimately so is it worth it to do that investment and to push them to sort of show yes we're really willing to go the extra mile for you or will there just be effort that um, is a distraction ultimately so yeah um, exactly that those are those are challenges that i've heard quite a number of times from yeah. energy software companies uh, i think for utility to actually you know press the button and say okay let's go ahead with it they need to be um they, they need to have let's say the innovation mindset within themselves you know they need to be able to say okay well we're going to take a risk with this new product we know that we like it we think that customers like it because we've done some bug let's see how it goes at scale you know uh it, it's a challenge for us but it's important for us to to trade this those companies who think like that you know will normally be able to to deploy it um there's also the aspect of how can they internally convince themselves to do it um the, the bigger the utility, the more people you have to convince, the more you have to fight for budgets. So it's going to be innovation budget versus something else. So right. that also plays into, and we obviously have no impact on that. Um, and also in some cases, the, the margins are quite small for utilities. So they need to be much more careful than you know if you had um, the budget of a bank or sometimes a telecom. Sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I... I want to go back to something that you said in the beginning as well, where, you know, we we talked about your personal journey of becoming the a European diplomat, or at least, you know, you started um, study politics and speaking all those languages that might have been a sensible career choice. I, I wonder sort of how easy was it for you to get your head around the energy market and sort of what sparked your interest for, for the energy market overall? Because it's, I mean, we just discussed it, right? It's such a complicated beast and at times very slow it can be highly frustrating and at the same time it's something that's so impactful also in our day-to-day -day lives because it's something that surrounds us you know the energy that we consume the way we behave at home and having an influence on that is obviously highly um highly impactful so sort of what was your way in i think the, the first thing is that first i had um no idea about a startup about like the energy market so i Obviously, I knew the, the challenges and I understood the, the company's mission, but I had no real experience into that space. So um, when I came in, I was very excited to start in, the, in this new role. And um, I had 
very good mentorship um, for, from my colleagues and from the company as a whole, uh, which made me really engage with uh, the product, the company, and, and and also on my own time to understand how the market was evolving. So right away, I had the chance to to fall in an environment that was very complementary to what I had experienced before and to my personality mm. as well, uh, because startup might not work for everyone. Um, high pace, um, yeah. not so much, you know, um, people looking at your job all the time and, and having to give you feedback. So it's it's not very organizational, but I like that flexibility as well and, and that freedom. In if you want to do something, then you can push for that. Plus, the the company was. Uh, was really evolving at the beginning of something big at the time when we just raised investments. So it was very exciting to be part of that. And um, I I feel like the company made everything they could to adapt me and, and others who, who came afterwards. Right. Is there, do you have any tip or would there be any suggestion for someone starting to think, look, the energy market might be for me, how to get their, their head around it and how to make that leap of faith and um, get familiar with the concepts the uh, the market or is it really just you know make that jump into it and just learn by doing it and learn by sort of working within the energy sector that proves to be successful so i think the, the energy sector as a whole um is probably going to be one of the sectors that has the most interesting opportunities the the most difficult challenges as well the least time than others to make those changes. But that's where you have a lot of opportunities and it doesn't have to be in a startup. It can be in a big utility, in a big corporation. Um, I think every part of the corporate world and startup world are looking to that space. So if you find, let's say, um, a role that seems to be quite interesting, even if you don't have specific knowledge about it, but you feel like you could contribute something, um, I think you should go for it and Think about whether the environment will work with you, uh, whether it's a startup, you know, whether you're happy to work in a high pace or a more corporate role. Um, it's a sector that is always going to be in evolution and, and will be changing every five to 10 years. So it's, for me, it's, it's very exciting, of course, but, um, there's much more than the energy sector that I've seen. I mean, you have literally, you know, innovation in every corner of it. Um, yeah. So. It's a good place to, to be in, especially in the 21st century. Yeah, I agree. Well, then, um, to, to bring us home, I would like to ask you, what is it that, that keeps you going? Because, again, I'm maybe looking back at your history also with Baltaware, you know, uh, being with a startup for the majority of its journey and spending six years in a highest-paced environment, as you also described, you know, it's not for everyone. What is it that, that still motivates you every day to get up and to to scale the solutions across Europe. So on the bigger picture, I feel like I'm contributing to, to something, you know, for the greater good, something that mm -hmm. will actually help thousands, millions of people to, to address one of their challenges that they have of having transparency on how they use energy, but also to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, to help people to, to feel better, to fight against true poverty. So there's also a social part of it, which at scale really makes sense. So the more we deploy it, the better we'll, we contribute to the transition to net zero. So that, that's very um, exciting for me. And then on a more personal, you know, local level, it's uh, really that I think engaged in the company, in the role. Um, I really like what we're doing as a company, as a team. And I want to support that growth. I want to give back what, what I got when I first came and, and be part of that mission and that that uh, the, the story of Soltower and 
hoping that it's going to be a, a long one. Yeah, fingers crossed for that. Uh, that's not just going to be a long, but also a highly successful one. Yeah, um, and a good one. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, it was lovely chatting with you. I think there was a lot in it in terms of how the tech actually works and how to make use of the the insights that you are able to provide, how you actually do that part as well. So I think it was really helpful that you um, were able to, be to, to shine a bit of light on how the algorithm works, the, the black box that people normally either don't see or don't don't get but then also and explaining how the different markets worked i really appreciated that and also um the the insights into utilities versus startups and the different speeds there um but also how, how to navigate that i really appreciated that conversation so thank you so much for making the time today no thank you so much for the time it was lovely to uh, speak on your podcast and uh, if anyone has any questions feel free to reach out to me on linkedin and um yeah all the best thank you so much for that bye thank you so much